Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard and um, happy Sunday. Woohoo! Everybody good? Good, good, good. Um, hey, we're going to have some baptisms this morning, just not at this service. But I do want to tell you, second service, we're baptizing a couple people. So that's going to be really cool. We're going to baptize Gordon and we're going to baptize Rosemary. It's going to be awesome. And uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. FYI. But they're second service people. So uh, what I'd really appreciate it is, I'd really appreciate it if the first service people could get with the program and win the lost, heal the sick, raise the dead, and bring them in and we'll, we'll dunk them, okay? So I'm just putting that out. Is that okay? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying this morning. <laughs> hey, uh, we have spent the last couple of weeks doing a little Easter thing. We got in line with Palm Sunday and then last week obviously being Easter, so we did Easter stuff. And then this week, we're going back to our little mini-series on the Lord's Prayer. uh, Just framing a little bit about how to become a disciple of prayer. How to become a real person who who really prays. And um, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, we're going to jump back into that. And the title of this morning's message is Forgiving Hearts. Forgiving Hearts. We're going to look at one verse this morning. But before we do that, um, I do want to lay out a little bit of why we're doing this series. Uh, we're doing this series because we want to be people who actually pray. This is one of the things that has marked Christians for thousands of years, is that, we, is that we actually pray. And we want to be people not only who just pray in general, but who are praying the right kind of stuff, and who are praying so that we could have our internal hearts and our internal minds uh, formed to the likeness of Jesus. Um, And so we want to do that. And one of the ways that we do that is by beginning to pray the prayer that Jesus gave his own disciples. It's called the Lord's Prayer. If you want to call it the Disciples' Prayer, that's great. Uh, That prayer lays out the essentials for being a disciple of Jesus. And what are the essentials for being a disciple of Jesus? According to the prayer, here they are. Number one, God awareness. Number two, praise. Number three, kingdom anticipation. Number four, trust for provision. Number five, forgiving hearts. Number six, number six, sin sickness. Here's what I mean by that. That we take no pleasure in sin whatsoever. All wrapped up in a communal family plurality. Can I go over that again for you? I didn't make a slide and I just realized I should have. What, are, what, are the, what, is it, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus according to the Lord's Prayer? The thing that Jesus would expect us to actually pray every day. This is something that Jesus would expect us to pray. Here, here's what it means to be a disciple according to that prayer. Number one, God awareness. How does the prayer begin? Our Father. It's, what is that about? It's about waking up to God. God awareness. Number two, praise. Hallowed be your name. Number three, kingdom anticipation. Let your kingdom come, right? Number four, trust for provision. Number five, forgiving hearts. Number six, sin sickness. That we would take no pleasure in sin. All wrapped up in a communal family plurality. It isn't just about me, it's us. All 
All of it is us. These are the pursuits of following Jesus. These are the things that we give ourselves to in prayer. And and the reason we want to give ourselves to these things in prayer is because, uh, on one hand, it's so that we don't have to wonder what to pray about. Have Have you ever begun to pray and you thought, well, what am I even supposed to pray for? Or you prayed for like the, the one thing that was really sort of pressing in your life, and then two minutes later you're like, I don't really know what else to pray for. You ever done that? Or, you, or have you ever found yourself just praying the same flippant prayer over and over again, and it's, and it's not so much that this is something that really needs attention, but it's more along the lines of, this is just kind of what I always prayed, you know, God bless our food and keep the kids safe and... Help us love you. And those are all good things. But have you ever gotten in that routine and wondered, what am I supposed to pray for? This is why the Lord's Prayer is so great. And we can begin praying this prayer, and it can be a model. It can be, it can be a model in the sense that it outlines the sort of things that we take up in prayer. But it can also be the prayer itself. So if the only thing you prayed this week was the Lord's Prayer once or twice a day, slowly and reflectively, that would be perfect. Perfect. For thousands of years, lots and lots of Christians, the only prayer that they prayed oftentimes has been the Lord's Prayer. And if that's the only thing you get to, I want to say as a pastor, perfect. And then if that becomes a model that you build your prayer life off of and you go further, even more perfect. That's the way it's supposed to work. Now here's the reason that the Jesus the Jesus here's the reason that the Jesus gave us this prayer. <laughs> It's not just that we should pray these things, but these are the things that we're going to need to pray in order to embody. This is the thing I really want to get to and the reason we're doing this series. It's not just that these are the things we should pray, and yes, there is the sense in which these are the things we should pray, but it's the sense in which these are the things you have to pray if you ever hope to embody them. Let me, so let me frame it like this. We need to pray for kingdom anticipation in order to see the kingdom when it emerges all around us. Here's the thing. If you never pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done, like over and over, daily, multiple times during the day, for weeks, for months, for years, the one thing I can promise you is, is that the kingdom of heaven will be all around you and you will not know it. That's why we need to do it. So Jesus is giving us a list, not just what we should pray, but he's giving it to us so that we could actually embody the things that we're praying for. How many of you understand this? That you need to pray for provision because it's the only way to move forward with faith that God is actually caring for us. It's the only way to give up the anxiety that it's all up to me. If you don't pray for daily bread over and over and over, I can almost guarantee you there will be a big part of your heart that will live out of anxiety rather than trust in God. That's why we pray this. And then, for our purposes this morning, we need to pray for forgiveness for ourselves and that we would be forgiving people because when the hard work of forgiveness actually comes without prayer, we will be left drowning in oceans of bitterness and pain. Here's the thing. If you never pray to God for your own forgiveness and that you'd have the grace to forgive others on the very hard day that absolutely will come that someone hurts you and it is going to happen, you will not respond with forgiveness and mercy and pity. You will respond out of Pain and bitterness and isolation, and that grows all kinds of things in your garden 
that you don't want there. Right? Isn't it hard? Like, that's the way this thing works. So why is Jesus giving us to us? He's giving it to us because he wants us to be these kinds of people. And these are the things that actually require prayer to embody. You cannot instantly become a forgiving person. You cannot instantly become a trusting God with your provisions person. Amen? I mean, come on now. We don't have to be that sleepy. And you cannot instantly become the sort of person who is living with kingdom anticipation until you give yourselves to it in prayer. you, You win it on the inside first, and then you can live it on the outside. Jesus says in another place, wash the inside of the cup. Wash the inside of the cup. The world tells you, wash the outside of the cup. Make everybody think you're awesome. Jesus says, who cares about the outside? Start washing the inside. This is how we do it. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about forgiveness for a few minutes. And I want to begin by saying this. If there's anything in the Christian life that is essential Jesus, it is forgiveness. I will go so far as to say this. You cannot be a Christian and live with a bitter, hard, unyielding, unforgiving heart. In fact, Jesus says so. So let's put this first scripture up this morning. And I want you to notice the parts that are bold. Jesus tells his disciples, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then Jesus goes on and he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Boom. Yeah, forgiveness is essential Jesus. Isn't that right? It's essential Jesus. On the cross, I mean, it's just one of those scenes that I just can't get out of my mind lately. Jesus is nailed up to the wooden cross. All of his best friends have run away from him and have left him. He is tortured. And in the moment of being tortured, he looks at the people who torture him and he says, Father, forgive them. It's essential Jesus. Like with blood coming out of his hands, head, side, feet. Jesus says, Father, would you forgive them? So whatever this Jesus thing is that we're doing, whatever this discipleship thing that we're doing, it isn't just coming to church, singing a few songs, Glenn plays guitar, Erica sings pretty. It's not just that. God is actually leading us into being the sort of people who could be wounded and rather than respond with bitterness, that we could respond with forgiveness and mercy. You know, you want to do one of those like trajectory of your life things. Hopefully by the time this thing is over, before you and I die, hopefully before you and I expire, before we breathe our last breath, you and I will become merciful people who have forgiveness coming out of our very substance. Not unlike the Lord. That's the point. So it's essential Jesus stuff. He says, if you don't forgive people, my father won't forgive you. And those words should give us pause. Because Jesus is being so straightforward, plain, and bold. In fact, Jesus doesn't just say it here, but he actually says it over and over in the Gospels and several other places. And, he, um, and in one place, he tells a parable about forgiveness that says the exact 
Same thing. I want to read it to you. It's a little bit long, but let's put it up. This is out of Matthew chapter 18. Peter came to him, came to Jesus, that is, and he asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? That was sort of the normal standard Jewish thing. Seven times? Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought to him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold. That he be sold. Along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went out to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man who had been forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to be prison sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Isn't this a great one? Wow! Who believes that Jesus is telling a story that probably needs to be reinterpreted in some other way? That maybe, maybe we just don't understand like the, the Jewish context of first century, second temple Judaism. Maybe, maybe, maybe something's getting lost in translation after 2,000 years. Maybe it's just like primitive society. Maybe this is just like extreme Greek thought meeting extreme Western and Eastern Jewish thought. Maybe this is something that's just stirred up. Maybe, maybe we didn't get the right manuscript. Maybe whatever this is is some piece of the Dead Sea Scrolls and it was like some some bad translation right right I think we're getting to it don't we wish how many of you actually believe Jesus just told a story and that's how it actually is let me put it this way let's frame it a different way how many of you how many of us have been unforgiving, and in the process of being unforgiving, eventually woke up to the fact that we put ourselves in prison and we got tortured. That's it. That's what unforgiveness does to you. When we live and when we lean into unforgiveness, we are being thrown in prison where we will be tortured. Some of us in the room right now are tortured by bitterness, and it's really not anyone's fault. At this point in our state with Jesus and in our own walk in life, it's It's just us. 
So we ought to just let that parable marinate for a moment. Sometimes we have this picture of Jesus that's way more domesticated than what the Gospels actually paint. Oh, you know, Jesus, he's just like... Jesus would never say that. Okay, there's a lot of things to unpack here, but the first thing is this. Forgiveness is the Jesus way. And because it's the Jesus way, it's got to be the disciples way. See, here's the thing, Vineyard. If we're to be Christians at all, we have to learn the ways of mercy and forgiveness. And here's why, here's why forgiveness is essential Christianity. And it's the reason why Jesus says that if you don't forgive, his father will not forgive. Here's it. Here's the whole thing. You and I, we get in by mercy. You and I, we get in by mercy. We are accepted by forgiveness and mercy. We have had our million-dollar debts completely forgiven. Everybody here has had their million-dollar debt completely forgiven. That's the reality of what God has done for every single person in this room. And that includes Kimbra. And she's like one of the best people I know. And she still has a million-dollar debt forgiven by Jesus. And, 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 and I'm telling you, Kimbra is one of the better 10% of the people who are in this room. <laughs> But every single one of us has had a million dollar debt forgiven by the Lord. Actually, multi-millions of dollars forgiven by the Lord. And if we are so included and accepted by forgiveness and mercy, yet are unwilling to extend the same forgiveness and mercy to others, it reveals or it proves that we never really believed or trusted that God uh, forgave us on those terms. Think about it for a minute. Let's think about the parable for a minute. Why would a servant who was forgiven millions go and throw someone in jail for a few thousand? The answer is actually very simple. That servant never really believed he was truly forgiven. Now that's chilling. Here's here's why that should be chilling in our hearts. Because it's entirely possible to experience the forgiveness of the Lord. And it's entirely possible to experience, let's put this in uh, vineyard terms, the presence of the king. (laughs) He went into the presence of the king, right? Fell down on his hands and knees and said, please don't do this to me. It's entirely possible to experience forgiveness. It's entirely possible to experience the presence of the king. To get real pardon and still not be moved in the heart to trust and believe. Said another way, it's entirely possible to come to the vineyard for years and be a bitter person. Like no matter how beautiful Erica sings, no matter how great Glenn plays or how perfect Matt stays on the click, it's entirely possible to be here in the presence of God's people, in the King's presence, in the presence of actually mercy. Like for God to even come up among us, to show up every single week the way he does, and he shows up every week. God comes every week. Every single time God comes among us, it is an act of mercy. It's one of the reasons we pray for the sick every single week here at the vineyard. Why? Because if he comes, mercy is available. But it's entirely possible to experience all of that and yet be an unforgiving, not believe it, bitter person. Now this is really important. I want to say it this way. When Jesus says, if you don't forgive, my father won't forgive. What he is not saying is that your forgiveness buys you forgiveness. It doesn't procure or attain salvation. It's not that God is waiting for us to go first. No, 
No, it's that he has been merciful and forgiving to us, amazingly merciful, Jesus on the cross merciful. And so we have received the resources to cooperate with the Father's program for the world. And so if you and I are unforgiving, if we, if we lean into bitterness, what it really means is that, we, that, number one, we never believed that God truly forgave us. And then number two, it means that we are, uh, we are not laying hold of the resources that God has given us to cooperate with his program for the whole world. This is why Jesus frames it that way. You and I have the resources to be extremely forgiving people. And the main reason we have those resources is because God has been kind to us. Anything you receive from God is a resource that we can extend to the world. It's the reason that everybody uh, who is a believer in Jesus is also simultaneously called to be an evangelist. We'll go over this again. There is no gift of evangelism in the New Testament. Everyone is equipped with the good news. Everything we receive from God is something that we have resource to extend to the world. Uh, you have received mercy. We can, re- we, can, we can let go and produce mercy. We've received forgiveness. We can extend forgiveness. The, the grain of the universe is expressing itself in things like forgiveness. So to be forgiven and then not forgive is to run counter to the heart and the plan of God. It's to miss the point entirely. If we trust him, we'll trust his ways of life. If we trust him, we will not be able to receive a million dollar forgiveness and then withhold a hundred dollar pardon. This is a reason to pray. It's why it's in the prayer. Some of us are thinking of some of the really terrible things that have happened in our lives and we're like, oh! Yeah, that's why we have to pray. Because Jesus didn't say that it would be easy. In fact, nowhere in any of the teaching from Jesus on forgiveness or mercy does he ever say that it will be easy. But it is possible. That's why we have to pray. And the first thing that we have to pray about is our own sin. Can we put the first scripture back up? Matthew chapter 6. Thank you. Look at verse 12. What's the first thing that we pray? And forgive us our sins. See, we, 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 we never begin with other people's sins. We always begin with our sins. And then, then we begin to pray about how we might be able to extend mercy to other people. But we always begin with our sin. It's, it's good to come into an awareness of our own sin before God. It, that's actually a really good thing. It's not like we live there, but to not ever live there, that's a problem. It's good to become aware of our own sin before God. It's good because it brings us back to the place where we see that we've been forgiven so much. We never want to lose touch with the fact that God has been really kind, not not only has been, but is currently being really kind to us. And then that actually produces in us the kind of heart that is able to be merciful and forgiving. Uh, One of the things that I've noticed about people, one of the things that I've noticed about people who struggle to forgive And one of the things I've noticed about myself when I struggle to forgive is that people who struggle to forgive are really laboring under the false reality of pride. This is really all it is. When when we struggle to forgive, it's the false reality of pride because we really think that we don't need forgiving for anything and thus are in a position to harshly judge others. So when you meet a, a really bitter person, what you're really meeting is mostly a really prideful person. And, and it's just, pride has no, what, no part of the kingdom. Humility is everything in God's kingdom. It's why we pray, God, forgive us of our sins. 
Recently, Donald Trump said that, he would, that he's never asked and would never ask God for forgiveness. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Donald... <laughs> the Donald does not ask for forgiveness. And if you've noticed, the Donald does not forgive. No, let's build a wall, make Mexico pay for it. The Donald. I think it's, I think it's just one of these really modern, in-our-face illustrations of everything that Jesus is talking about. People who do not forgive, oh man, there are people who really believe on the inside, they don't need forgiving. They've lost touch. All right, here's what I want to do for the next minute or two. I want to talk to you just for a second about what forgiveness is and what it is not. Let's just paint it as clear as we can here for a second. Here's what forgiveness is not. Here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying that whatever happened was totally okay. I just got that wrong and everything, you know, nothing happened. It didn't really happen, you know. They didn't really treat me bad. They didn't really uh, drag my name through the dirt. They didn't really abuse me. They didn't really do me harm. Uh, I forgive them. Nothing happened. That's not what forgiveness is. In fact, it couldn't even be forgiveness if nothing happened. Right? So the beginning of forgiveness is to acknowledge that something did happen. To, to live in the false reality that nothing happened actually disempowers you from being able to forgive. No, God does not pretend that nothing happened in the world. Jesus died on the cross. Something has happened in the world. Forgiveness is the beginning. The beginning of forgiveness is to say that something did happen. Forgiveness is acknowledging that it was bad. It's also not saying that it wasn't bad. Forgiveness is acknowledging that it was bad. Forgiveness might even be acknowledging that it was terrible, that it was evil. Now, some people in the room this morning have experienced evil at the hands of other people. And you shouldn't soft sell this, this happening in your life. Some things are evil. Some of you had dads who were actually evil and treated you in such a way. And the only way for you to begin to forgive them will to begin to acknowledge what actually happened in your actual family. Forgiveness is not saying that it was okay. Uh, it is the, it, the beginning of forgiveness is to live in the truth of what actually happened or is happening see here's one of the things i've noticed the poison of bitterness is often swallowed because of the fear that forgiveness means that 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 forgiveness means uh, that we have to say that it was no big deal A, a lot of people go on really really bitter because they're afraid or they've heard something in the church that says that in order to be a forgiving person you kind of have to acknowledge that what happened to you wasn't that bad and that it was okay no no, if you've been abused, the way to forgive is not to say nothing happened. The, the beginning of that is to say something did happen, and it was terrible. And, and maybe, maybe even go on up to, it was evil. So forgiveness is not saying that everything is okay. Uh, the second thing forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. How many of you understand it takes two people to reconcile? And how many of you understand that sometimes when things break down, one person doesn't want to reconcile? So forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to get back to the way things were. Uh, Sometimes the other person is unwilling to do the hard work. And we can't make people do stuff. That would be not like God. But here's what forgiveness does mean in that situation. Forgiveness means 
we work towards being reconciled. But if one person is out, then they're just out, right? But if the one person is out, even though in our hearts we've, we're going to work towards reconciliation, if one, the other person is out, it doesn't mean that there isn't some significant work that can't be done on our own heart. Yeah. Here's the third thing that forgiveness does not mean. Forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. Forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. If someone doesn't want to reconcile, then it's really hard to trust that person again. And probably shouldn't. Uh, Sometimes, even if a person does want to reconcile, it still might be good and wise to put the brakes on the trust for a little while. To draw new boundaries of trust and say, you know what? You really violated me here. I'm going to free, I forgive you, but we're, but we're, now we're just kind of in a new place for a while. We're going to, we're just going to, we're going to watch this out with some new boundaries here for a while. Uh, let's just put this, so, sometimes we can only look at this in really extreme places, right? So if there's, if there's a husband who's beating on a wife and they decide to reconcile, okay, it's entirely possible for wives who have been hurt like that to forgive their husbands it would not be good or wise for that wife to go instantly back to her husband. Separation might be good for a while. Like, we need to rebuild trust. So forgiveness is not the same thing as trust, but forgiveness is a building stone towards trust again, right? It's, this is, I know this is nuanced, but I, we have to do that. If someone has seriously, seriously harmed you, you need to forgive them, but perhaps trust and closeness needs to be put on hold until there's some room for changes in their life. Jesus doesn't expect anybody to go back and be a punching bag for someone else. Hmm. Now, we do need to nuance this whole thing of trust. We have to nuance the trust thing pretty big because, and here's why, Jesus did... After Peter and all the other disciples failed him and ran off, trust them again. And he trusted them again with the gospel. And he said, you know what? The guys who failed me most are the guys I'm going to build this whole church, Jesus, gospel, kingdom of heaven, and the, and the world thing on. So it's not as though we just say no forever. Maybe not. Sometimes the people who have broken our trust the most are the ones that God wants to heal and bring into something new and maybe something more amazing. Right? <clears throat> And sometimes we take these little forgiveness principles that I'm talking about right now and we hide behind them and we end up, uh, we end up living by the letter of what I'm teaching and, and we become self-righteous rather than living by the spirit of what I'm teaching and we end up ruined. Do you know what I mean? So you can, you can without some nuance and without some prayers, why prayer is really important, you can take this little trust principle and you can just, you can, it can look like you've done the work of forgiveness, but really... We're keeping some bridges burnt. Does that make sense? So forgiveness is not necessarily the same thing as trust. Uh, Forgiveness is also not lack of consequences. Lack of consequences. Hey, if somebody commits a crime against you, forgiveness doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a consequence. If someone has really been been harsh and, and, and bad towards someone else, forgiveness doesn't mean that there shouldn't be some consequences in that person's life. And here's one of the things we need to understand about consequences. It's one of the main ways that God trains uh, humanity to do the right thing. Like with, if you could touch, if you could touch a hot burner and didn't, and, and you don't feel the pain, how many of you understand that's not good? 
Like you need to feel pain. Like sometimes feeling the pain is the really good thing. If you, otherwise, you just sit there and fry your hand. And real damage gets done. You know, nobody wants a third degree burn, but nobody wants a cooked hand. Yeah. And you'd never get the stink out of your kitchen. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to add a little levity back to this conversation. Um, here's the last thing that forgiveness does not mean. Uh, forgiveness, forgiveness is not always easy or quick. Sometimes something that is so painful happens in an instant, right? Somebody's harsh word, somebody's crazy thing. But sometimes forgiveness is slower than the pain that happened to us. Stupidity is always, almost always quick. Evil is almost always fast. God's kingdom is almost always slow. And forgiveness is almost always a process. Sometimes forgiveness is weeks and weeks. Sometimes the deeper the pain, the more of a process it will be. And that's, that's okay. It's totally okay. Uh, there might be days when it seems like you make real progress only to wake up the next morning really hurt again. About the same thing you just forgave them for the day before, right? Hey, that's okay. That's okay. The key is not comforting ourselves with our pain in that moment. Never, ever, ever let our pain be the comfort. That's, that's the key here. Okay, so what is forgiveness? We'll, we'll start on that side. Here's what forgiveness is. The, the best way I know to describe forgiveness is uh, two words. Letting go. Letting go. That's the simplest way to say it. Well, and then you would say, well, letting go of what? Some very specific things. Uh, thoughts of revenge. Thoughts of revenge. Uh, you know the little, you know how like when someone hurts you, the, the, the tape you play in your mind? Oh, man. The next time I'm, uh, yeah, you just, whoa. they have no idea. They have no idea. Letting go of what? Uh, number one, I, I think the number one thing we have to let go of is thoughts of revenge. I actually think this is where it begins. As I've done the work of forgiveness in my own life and even been forgiven, I think it's the thoughts of revenge. It's really practical. Letting go of what else? Uh, desires for judgment on that person. Now we're not, like we just said that forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean there's no consequences, right? But at the same time, Forgiveness really does mean that we're letting go of that desire that they really get it. <clears throat> you know? And this is, you know, that's pretty loud, but that's oftentimes happening on the inside. <laughs> you can't say that to my kid! You know that? <laughs> Hope your kid gets it. Hope your kid gets it. Yeah. Hope your kid gets it. That's, and right? <laughs> Mama bear! <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's it. What is forgiveness? Letting go of thoughts of revenge, desires for judgment, uh, letting go of, of internal hopes for their undoing or misfortune. Man, you know what? I, dude, I tell you what, I hope they, I hope they go bankrupt. <laughs> dude, I hope they freaking go bankrupt. I hope they lose that brick house. I hope somebody hits their Escalade. I hope they eat oysters and get diarrhea that lasts for three weeks. I, ho- I hope, I hope, I hope all of their kids, I hope all their kids fail. 
I hope all their kids fail. I hope none of their kids get into school. I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that their, I hope that their next neighbor is a is a collector and has crap just all over their yard. I hope that their next, I hope that their next door neighbor becomes. I hope he's got like, just just, just animals running loose. I hope, I hope that all the other neighbors have dogs that come and poop in their yard. And, and you, you know, when, you know what's funny when we. When we begin to say it out loud, it's kind of funny right now, but some of us are even wincing like, that's really harsh, Adam. (laughs) And you know what? These are the exact things that we replay in our mind. Wow. Forgiveness is not just letting go of all that stuff. This is where it takes the Lord. Forgiveness is hoping for good for someone, especially people that have hurt you. To take that next step because Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Dang it. Why do you have to say that? You're right. That's the really hard one. When do you know you're becoming a forgiving person? When you start living like Jesus and you say, when somebody's hurt you, you have genuine hope for good for them. That's what forgiveness is. And then forgiveness is praying for them. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them. Tell you the story. Um, this is about six months ago, and many of you here, you guys know that I'm kind of an intense person in moments. My personality leans towards seriousness, which isn't good, but it does. God's helping me. Anyway, um, one of the things that some of you know better than others in the room is that Sundays are kind of a big deal to pastors, right? I mean, this is like, this is, every Sunday is a Super Bowl for the pastor. Um, and so pastors can have almost like a split personality. It's Sunday morning mode. And without naming names, there was another pastor here uh, for a while, and he, he had a Sunday morning mode as well. I just want to say I was, I'm in good company. Anyhow. Six months ago, I was in full-on Sunday morning mode, and there's something that was sort of happening out here, and it wasn't going great, and I could kind of tell that it wasn't going great, so I just hopped up out of my office, and I went to fix it. I know what's going on. I'm going to fix it. And in the process of fixing it, I didn't nuance any of my words. I'm just like, man, I, you know, done. Boom. Honestly, I'm not think, I didn't think anything of it. I just fixed it. Okay. That Sunday happens. I go home. And the kids are playing. River and Seth are shooting soccer. And, and Rowan is kind of like running around in the backyard. Just, you know, playing with guns. and just I don't know. Just doing his thing. <laughs> Fake guns. <laughs> For all the podrishioners out there. My two-year-old doesn't play with real guns yet. Anyway, Rowan's out there, and I'm, I'm on my back patio, and they're just, you know, it's beautiful, and it's just a gorgeous day, and I'm just doing sort of the pastor let down from Sunday thing, and I, I just, I was just praying, and I, you know, and in that moment, I, all I can tell you is, and this, this happens to every pastor I know, there are seasons where you think, I, you know what I need to do? I just need to quit being the pastor. I'm not going to quit being the pastor. So that rumor doesn't need to get started. But, 
But occasionally I have these thoughts of, I got to quit this. Like, what the heck am I doing? So I'm praying into this prayer of, I've got to quit this, right? Lord, like, will you please just let me go back to business? That's literally what I'm praying. And I get a word from the Lord that is clearer than anything that I've had in three years. No, it wasn't external audible. It was internal audible, if I can say it that way. But it was profoundly clear. The Lord said one sentence to me. He said, Adam, you are a preacher. And I was like, okay, I'm a preacher. And I felt, I felt myself give something away to the Lord again. I felt like I realized there was a part of my own heart and really my future that I'd been hoping maybe I could get out of the church. And I, got, I went ahead and gave that future over to him. You know, I'm not saying that we're not going to do that again, but I'm saying like he has more of my future than he had, right? Okay, why am I telling you these two different stories? Here's why. So I come in later that week and, and I'm telling some people about this little experience of praying and the Lord telling me that I'm a preacher and giving up a little more of my heart to him and allowing him to have my future. And then a person after, after I'm sharing that says, hey, can I tell you a story? I'm like, yeah. And this person says, hey, on Sunday morning, you were really hard on me. I said, oh, I, I'm, tell me how. And uh, they told me how. No, it wasn't like end of the world stuff, but it was. It was actual hard. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm just going to be really honest. My default in get it done moments is directness and harshness. Now, if you know me, you, you know me. But if you don't, it could be hard, right? The Lord's helping me. Anyway, so this person said, hey, you were really hard on me. And I said, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. And then this person said, here's what you don't know. The day that you were hard on me, it wounded me. But I went home and, and my mate and I, we decided that we were not going to be mad at you, but we were going to pray for you. I said, really? What did you pray? And this person said, we prayed that you'd never quit being a pastor and that God would speak to you and that God would affirm you and that, that, that things would go well at the vineyard. And I said, really, what time did you all pray that? And this person told me the time and it was the exact moment that I'm on the porch saying, God, can I please be let go? Well, that's a picture of forgiveness. It's a, it's a picture of forgiveness in the Jesus way of dealing with people, right? I got shown mercy, and in the, in the end of being shown mercy, I actually got the voice of the Lord, and I got mercy from Him. I got mercy from this person. I got mercy from Jesus. I got mercy for the future. I got mercy for you guys. I got mercy for this job again. Oh, man, are you kidding me? This stuff is real. It's not just like, you know, Dr. Feel, how to have a better life stuff. It's like... How the universe works. That's forgiveness. Praying for people. Forgiveness is also looking to reconcile, if at all possible. Paul says, be at peace with all men. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's a forgiveness word. Okay, I want to end on this. Um, forgiveness. I, want to, I just want to end on this. And this is a little bit disconnected, but I, I just felt it from the Lord. Uh, I want to talk just for a second about forgiveness and love and robust worship. I want to put up another scripture. This is Luke 7. 
This is when Jesus gets anointed by the sinful woman. We'll just read this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping and her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, inside, right, silently, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. What do you suppose, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. I I wanted to bring this text out because it really gets down to the kind of church that I hope we are and could possibly become. Uh, One of the dreams of my heart is that we'd be a place of extravagant worship. Uh, We are, and we certainly have been, but I think there's another place in worship that we can go to. And and one of the things that actually keeps us from it, and I say keeps us from it in the present tense, like currently keeps us from the next place of extravagant worship in the Lord, is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Here's the reason I, I want to say it like this. In October, the vineyard, this year in October, this vineyard will be 20 years old. And here's what that means. That means that this church is old enough and that a lot of us have been together long enough to really know who we are. Like we, re- we, don't, we don't kind of know who we are. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you make a new friend, you're like, man, they're awesome. Like I got this new friend. Dude, this guy is freaking awesome. And then six months later, it's like, yeah, he's a good dude. And then, like, and then three years later, you're like, yeah, we got history. And then five years later, you're like, it's a jerk. <laughs> this is the truth. Yeah, so we've been a church that's been together long enough. There's a core part of this church that's been together long enough that we know who one another really, really are. And I'll tell you right now what the next season at the Vineyard is all about. Can we love each other beyond tolerance? That's it. 
You know what? You know the you know the word of the of the of the day right now in wider culture. Tolerance. I hate that word. That word is crap. It really, really is. No one was born to be tolerated. No one here wants to be tolerated. No one anywhere wants to be tolerated. You know? Here's the challenge for us going forward. Can we be a community that really loves each other? And the only way we're going to love each other, like really, really, really love each other, really, 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 is forgiveness. And, and here's what I know. And I'm not trying to do that thing where we like stir stuff up for no good reason. And I'm not trying to point anybody. I'm not. I have no one in my brain right now. I'm just saying I know for a fact we have been together long enough. There are unhealed wounds in this church that keep us from extravagant worship. Sometimes people say things like this to me. You know, Adam, it was, the vineyard used to be cooler. Like, the vineyard, the vineyard used to be more awesome. The, uh, you know, I remember when vineyard worship used to be more awesome and more people would, like, lose it. And there was just a, more of a sense of God's presence among us. And I'm thinking, wow, I know some stuff that's going on right now uh, that isn't resolved. And I'm, I'm surprised God comes among us at all. <laughs> totally different perspectives. But it, the point gets driven home. Sometimes, sometimes this thing we call church, sometimes the dissatisfying part of it for us is the work that is God is actually putting in our hands right now. And it is to care and love one another. And the next thing for this church will be to love each other beyond tolerance. And that will be forgiveness oriented. Some of us here have a hope and a desire for a more open experience of God's presence, a more open experience of his Holy Spirit, a more open experience of worship, the prophetic, you know, fill in the the gap. I'm telling you, none of that will happen until we learn how to love each other beyond tolerance into forgiveness, not unlike Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them even while I'm in pain. And if we're going to be like that, we got to pray. We got to pray like as a, as a church, as a community, like we got to pray. But then as, as individuals, we've got to pray. We have got to pray. You and I can't be forgiving people unless we pray. Otherwise we'll just be, we'll be wounded people that, you know, and wounds are going to happen, but we'll just be bitter. We'll be bitter. Y'all remember that story in the old Testament where the Israelites ran out of water? And then they find some water and they're like bummed because it's like salty. Y'all remember that? How did, how did Moses fix it? Do y'all remember that? Threw a staff on it, didn't he? Which makes no sense, right? Hey, here's some salt water. I know what to do. You throw a staff on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it, but, but then it kind of does make sense. Because Moses' wooden staff, it was really, it's a representative. It's, a, it's an image of Jesus' own cross. How do things go from bitter to sweet? You've you got to apply the cross to it. That's what God's doing. There's, there's, there are bitter pools, even among us. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not mad. This is not a Pastor Adam's mad at the church word. It's not. I'm saying, I, we've been together for 20 years. I know this stuff is happening, okay? We, we, need, to be, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of prayer. We need to lean into this thing because we need the mercy from God to begin to throw the cross of Jesus onto these bitter pools in our life. They don't, they don't get better any other way. That's, the, the healing only comes by applying the cross. That's the only way it comes.
So we've got to pray. Uh, here's some application for us this moment, this, this morning. Um, why don't we do this? Uh, this week, why don't we begin to pray the Lord's Prayer as families and as individuals? And, and maybe, maybe just even this basic, like when you have supper together, why don't we pray the Lord's Prayer, okay? But then, like in your own life, like if you're in the shower, like some of y'all take showers, why, when you're washing your hair, begin to pray the Lord's Prayer. And, and when the Lord highlights something in that prayer that, f- that you feel something on, when you feel the invitation of the Lord, that's all I don't know how to describe it. When you feel invited by the Lord in one of those things, then like give in to it and begin to pray in that direction. Like if you feel the Lord inviting you to trust Him for provision, man, just begin to pray that. If you know that you have some hard work of forgiveness to do, man, let's do that. Let's pray it and let's do it. And then um, secondly, let's do this. Um, why don't everybody stand up and we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord to help us. If you're on the ministry team this morning, come on up. All right. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. Lord, we ask that you would surface any roots of bitterness in our lives. Any unhealed wounds. The Bible says that a root of bitterness defiles many. So God, we ask that you would begin to surface, bring to the forefront of our minds and our imaginations any roots of bitterness. God, we ask that you'd be very specific. Would you take us to moments where we got really hurt, really offended, really wounded, really bruised? God, especially if we've wounded one another here. Especially in those places where we've wounded each other here. Would you surface all of that, Lord? Now, God, we ask that you give us the grace to forgive. As a church, let's just do this. Let's just pray this prayer. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. God, I ask that you would take all the heavy emotions off of that. Whatever those things are, God, we just ask that I'd be released. God, we ask that you would come with your cross. God, we ask that you would come with Moses' staff and that you would throw it into the bitter springs of our life, that it would run sweet one more time. We receive your cross. We, We receive the mercy that comes from Jesus. We receive your way, God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is merciful A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not put out. We pray this in that name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need to respond to today's message in any way, you come on up. If you're sick in your body, if you need to do the hard work of forgiveness and you need help, we have people here who want to pray for you. Otherwise, happy Sunday. Go in peace. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.